Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Welcome back, everyone. Dave Rico is a, a familiar presence here at GBF. Um, he's from Santa Barbara and San Francisco. He's a psychologist, a teacher, and a writer who emphasizes Jungian, transpersonal, and spiritual perspectives in his work. He is the author of a book called How to Be an Adult in Relationships. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. And welcome, everyone. My uh, talk today is about accepting the givens of life. And that word givens takes me back to sophomore in high school in plain geometry class. The givens were the helpful, self-evident truths that we could use when we were trying to figure out a theorem. So my topic is the givens that we encounter in the course of life that also help us as we're facing various issues and challenges. And of course, there are as many givens as there are moments in the day, but I've chosen five specific ones that relate to our Buddhist practice and teachings. And uh, I'd like to go through each of these five. They're based on my book, which is called The Five Things We Cannot Change. And the idea of cannot change fits with the whole concept of givens. These are facts of life over which we have no control. But somehow, as in geometry, they help us. The first one is that everything in life is continually changing and that things have a kind of lifespan this is the Buddhist teaching on impermanence. Nothing just stays as it is permanently. Everything is continually moving through phases. For instance, in relationships, romance can be followed by some conflicts. As we work through our conflicts, we move into a full-on commitment. So the relationship um, moves 
rather than stays put in one particular setting. Likewise, phases of life. We move from infancy to childhood to adolescence, young adulthood, adulthood, middle age, old age. Nothing just stays the same. The second given is that things don't always go according to plan. So we make plans, we make decisions, we decide on what we want to do, but it doesn't always work out like that. Third, life is not always fair. Sometimes it's fair, sometimes it isn't. Fourth, suffering is part of life. This is the Buddha's very first noble truth. There is suffering, and it can't be avoided. And then finally, humans are not always loyal and loving. So everything changes and ends. Things don't go according to plan. Life is not always fair. Suffering is part of life. And humans may not be loyal and loving all the time. The only etiquette that seems to work in that which is unchangeable is what Jung calls the unconditional yes. His exact quote is an unconditional yes to the conditions of our existence without protest. So when I say yes, to all of these, I'm sitting in the saddle in the direction the horse is going. What horse? The horse of human life, the horse of relationships, the horse of how I am, how people are, how things work themselves out in the course of my own lifetime. Now, we could look at these five and think of them as penalties because none of the five is very appealing. But what if, instead of these being cruel penalties enacted upon us by a universe that doesn't really like us, what if these turned out to be the very ingredients of human growth? Could these be the very ways that we become people of character, of depth, of compassion? In that sense, 
the yes to these becomes uh, a way of evolving into a more mature version of human. And to complain about these would be to miss the point. Of course, we also notice that every one of the five has something to do with grief, and that also makes them quite unappealing. Obviously, grief is about changes and endings. When things don't go according to plan, we will be unhappy. If life is unfair, we will be sad. Likewise with suffering, likewise when people are not loving toward us or not loyal toward us. All of these bring up grief. Whenever grief is in the picture psychologically, a series of defenses usually arise, arises. So instead of simply going with the sadness and the anger and the fears that come up in the experience of grief regarding the shape life takes, we would rather find ways around each of them. Now, I want to use a a simple example, and I'll use the example of religion. Um, And I'll go through each of the five. Religion will say, yes, here on earth, everything changes and ends. But there's a paradise awaiting us that is eternal. And yes, things don't always go according to human plans, but there's a divine plan that can never be abrogated. And yes, it's true that here on earth, life is unfair at times, but remember that someday there will be a judgment in which the good will be rewarded with heaven and the evil will be punished in hell. So ultimately, everything will become fair. And yes, it's true that suffering is part of life, but suffering can also be redemptive. And finally, yes, it's true that humans may not be loving or loyal all the time, but God is love and remains loyal to us. So sometimes uh, those kind of beliefs dull the thud of these givens landing on us because every one of these religious concepts that I just mentioned tend to uh, promise something beyond what happens in ordinary human life. And so these don't turn out to be such ingredients of compassion, depth, and character, since they're all quite temporary, and they will be um, replaced 
by um, religious promises that I just mentioned. And it's not that you can't also be religious and, and live with these givens, but we want to watch out for how something is telling us that we don't have to uh, honor the conditions that we all live with. Regarding the yes, it would simply be a radical acceptance of each of these. And I'll give examples of what that would look like. When you say everything is changing, then when a relationship that you're in is going through changes, you wouldn't blame anybody. You would say, oh, this is one of the givens of relationship. Things change. It's not so nice as it used to be, or it's nicer than it used to be. Um, I don't feel the same level of closeness. I don't want the same level of closeness. I want more or less. When you simply rest in those changes, you have, in effect, said a radical yes to that very first given. When things don't go according to plans, you say to yourself, oh, this is helping me see that I'm not in control. And also, we might notice that sometimes when things don't go according to plan, wonderful new surprises come in that really... Uh, make a big difference for us. When you say life is not always fair, it helps you let go of your entitlement to fairness. I'm a human, so I'm not always going to get a fair deal. That doesn't go with being human. Also, a radical yes to life is not always fair would mean Punishment of uh, suffering is not a punishment, and happiness is not a reward. A fair deal would mean, well, I've been a good guy, so I should have happiness. It doesn't work that way. Bad things happen to good people. It should be. Uh, he did something so evil, wrong, bad, he should pay his dues, he should be punished. We have a right to take revenge. Saying all that would mean you had never said yes to life is not always fair. Suffering is part of everyone's life. It takes the form of physical illness, takes the form of emotional problems that weigh on us. There can be spiritual suffering. When I get it that that's what everybody goes through, I feel compassion for those who are going through the same or worse that I'm going through. And it becomes um, 
just part of the landscape of a human life that I will suffer in some way. And finally, when I say humans may not be loving and loyal all the time, I also mean not everybody will like me. Can I let that be okay? Or do I have to insist that they do? Do I have to insist that people love me the way I need to be loved? Do I have to insist that people be loyal to me? Any of those insistences would be the opposite of having said yes in a radical, deep way to uh, self-evident facts. And we're not trying to get around them. We're trying to look into them to see how they apply to us as individuals, how every one of these is uh, happening to us right at, at this time in our lives. And how do we somehow take these and work with them so that we become more realistic and less entitled. In that sense, every one of these is a pathway to the letting go of ego. And since one of the main teachings in our Buddhist tradition is there is no self, there is no separate self, then the letting go of the uh, clinging, fearful ego is a wonderful practice, and these five help us get there. I'm thinking, uh, just suddenly thought of a a phrase from St. Paul speaking about Jesus. He said, In him there was only yes. In him there was only yes. Yes to what is, as it is, also called will of God. Thy will be done is the same as let the givens proceed. And to say yes is a highly spiritual practice. What helped me the most when it came to saying yes was I gave up asking why. Why is, our, why is this changing? Why didn't things go with, in accord with my plan? Why is he, she, they unfair? Why am I suffering? Why aren't they loving me and being loyal to me? I gave up the why in favor of the yes. In fact, the, the opposite of yes in my mind is not no, it's why. And, and why is yet another way that we stave off the grief. Instead of just accepting the painful facts, we try to bargain with the facts. That's what why does. In Buddhism, there is no why. 
Uh, let me check in with you guys now on this uh, questions or comments that you'd like to make before I go on, because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And also, I'd love to hear any of your ideas. Cass, do you want to begin? Okay, I guess the, the question that I have is... Um, there's a distinction between why and how. I mean, it seems like you're not relinquishing trying to understand the situation and just accept it, right? That's, I guess so. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm asking what's the, what's the relationship between why and how? Uh, could you give an example? Um, why does this person treat me this way? Why does why does this situation arise in relationship? Um, and it seems like unless we kind of understand how that how that situation arises, that things won't change. I mean, I guess it's you. It's wanting things to to be different. You you have to ask sort of how and why. Okay, I think I understand. And yeah, you're in the um, you're in the territory of how do we work things out, especially with people who might not, for instance, be loyal or loving in the ways that we understand. And you're right. You would want to look at how that came to be, and it would include a why. Uh, what I was going, what I was working toward was uh, not about letting go of the how, but landing on these in such a way that you get it, that anything can happen to anyone. And so you drop off the table the idea of it shouldn't happen to me because I've been so good, because I've done everything right, whatever. That's what you're letting go of here. Uh, there's a, a poem by the ancient Latin poet Terence. It starts with the words, nothing human is alien from me. So whatever can happen to any human can happen to me. How that will happen, that's a good question. How can I work with it so that uh, a good result will happen? That's an important part of our psychological work. This is, um, the topic here is settling into the facts so that we let go of our entitlement to have them be different. But thank you for bringing that up because uh, the, the how does fit in. For instance, how is it changing? Am I hearing taps? and thinking it's reveille in a relationship. 
can I let myself hear the bugle just the way it's being sounded rather than trying to change it because I'm so afraid of an ending? That's how this kind of work would help us. So let's go to something familiar. And we've all heard this uh, kind of prayer or affirmation used in the 12-step programs. And I, I would like to present them as affirmations. More and more, I have the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. What are these things? These particular givens, or any given that applies to you. More and more, I have the courage to change the things I can change, and I'm open to the grace that shows me the difference. Or we could even say the wisdom. So it's, it's not only saying yes to the givens of life. That would not be sufficient for a full human experience. At the same time, I would want to look at what can be changed, and I would want to step up to the plate and make such a change. And then I would want to locate in myself the wisdom that shows me the difference. So the givens of life are the quote, the things we cannot change. And at the same time, I'm always remaining aware that there are some things that I can change. And then I'm not just going to settle for a situation. I'm going to distinguish between what part of it is just the way it is and what part of it is changeable. Be something like going to the doctor and or PT, physical therapy, working on a limp that you are afflicted with. And there's some part of the limp, limp, limp that uh, with work, you can certainly change. But at the end of all the procedures and at the end of all the physical therapy, you might still have a slight limp and you that's when you move into acceptance. Well, I guess this is pretty much it now. I'll do whatever I can more, but when I can accept reality, the part of it that's unchangeable, a serenity results. So I wanted to put this in here to, to, to balance our original topic, which is about the things we can change and to say that there are things we can change. So in a relationship, 
I can't change the personality of the partner, but I can work to change the behavior of the partner. And then I'd have to have the wisdom to see the difference. Oh, this this particular behavior uh, is just built in to my partner because I recognize that introverted style. That's just part of the personality that I'm looking at. At the same time, I can say, well, uh, I know you're very introverted. I accept that. But can you uh, at least come to a, a kind of quiet birthday party with one of our friends? I know you don't like parties, but uh, can you make that change? And the person says, yes. But if the person says, no, I'm so introverted that I can't even go to um, a birthday party with friends, then instead of blaming, you're going to go to your wisdom of accepting. Um, now, uh, are we able to have breakout rooms with uh, Jeff? Are we able to do breakout rooms? Yes, clearly. We can do that. Because I want to have uh, breakout rooms and just have like uh, 15 minutes. So. And I'll leave this on the screen. And uh, which is the one that uh, is most um, difficult for you or which is the one that you'd like to share something about or which is which one is um, kind of up for you in your life right now? And we'll come back in 15 minutes. Okay, welcome back. Anybody uh, like to share anything that came up in your separate rooms? This is Greg. Um, I just Hi. Greg, I, I met I uh, talked with Tom about this. I don't mean to trivialize it, um, but I've taken improv like five or six classes over the years, and the first thing they teach you in improv is to say yes. You know. When you start a skit or a whatever it's called, I don't remember, and you're assuming it's going to go one way and the other person sends it in a totally different way, you don't say, wait, stop. I wanted to say this. <laughs> say, yes. And, and then you continue it. And it's really hard. Um, and it's just the same thing. When somebody says something mean to you, you know, you don't, you want to stop them and tell them that's not right. And instead, you have to say, I'm not going to take this personally. This is about them. And where do I go with them from here? So, yeah, I like that. And it's, uh, I use the expression, yes, now what? Mm, right. And that's the where do we go from here? Exactly. Thank you, Greg. Okay, somebody else? 
I was just going to say in our, uh, it was really useful. <laughs> There's five givens. In our group, I think there's, we re- realize there's a difference between understanding these givens and accepting them viscerally. It's, uh, yeah. Probably you have to relearn that with each new development in life that comes along. Mm-hmm. Today I was uh, watching the news and the, the, you know, I was watching MSNBC or CNN, and they were interviewing the governor of Mississippi, and there was something about abortion, and the governor was saying, uh, the reason we can now abrogate, abolish Roe v. Wade is because we have new scientific information about when life begins, so we can now make laws having to do with when an abortion is or is not appropriate and so forth. And um, I said to myself, in his mind, what he's saying is perfectly reasonable. And if I were to try to argue and say, but women have a right to choose, um, it would be a very messed up conversation. And so I thought to myself, one of the givens that we've been faced with, with all this um, conspiracy theory and so forth, is that people will not always listen to the kind of reason that we present. They have their own form of reason, which we we may not agree with. And no matter how much we argue, they just don't see it. And so another part of acceptance is getting that and not getting hooked into arguments with people who uh, just won't see it a different way. Of course, I also asked myself, am I one of those people then? Because the, the, the governor was using science to prove that rights should be limited. And if you come from a place of uh, rights should be honored, then there's conflict. But I'm sure others of you have had this experience where you try to art, where you try to explain something and it just doesn't come across. Okay, well, I think our time is running out, and uh, just wanted to say thank you to everyone for your attention, and I hope this was helpful. Thank you, Dave. Um, I think it was very helpful. Um, do we have any announcements? before we move on. Hey, it's Grisha. Um, just a, a quick word. I, I processed the mail and um, the prison correspondence, and we often have uh, requests for pen pals. So if anyone's interested in a, a gay Buddhist prison pen pal, um, please let me know. There are more 
requests than there are folks to uh, to message. And if one thing that could sway you is now some prisoners have email, so you could actually just do it via email. My prison pen pal, who has taken the name Pema Tenzin, um, he's written a book, and so uh, the proceeds from the book go to his re-entry into when he gets released like, next year, I think. So um, the Petunias are doing amazing, and it's a journal about when he was in the prison horticulture program. Um, and he loves GBF and has mentioned it in the book and it's 20 bucks for the book. I haven't read it yet, but, um, if you want to support a prisoner then go for it. Thanks. Christian, do you want to say something? Yes. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say the uh, speaker next week is someone that, um, I, know from uh, Southern California, from spending time down there. Yeah, he's a Zen uh, Zen Buddhist at the Zen Mountain Buddhist uh, Monastery outside of Palm Springs, up in the mountains up there. And so, uh, yeah, I encourage everyone to come. Um, I want to remind us all about Donna which is generosity and very important to the Sangha, um, helps to support our many, many um, efforts uh, towards compassion. So please don't be like a butterfly and float away. Um, make sure you visit the website and, and donate something. All right. Dave has offered to uh, give us a closing. By the power of this and of all our practices, may we greet the all-illuminating dawn of love and wisdom, and may we always be loyal to those who are still lost in the ever-darkening sunset of fear and craving. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Dave. Thank you all for attending. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mr. Dave. Nice to see you, Tony. Thank you. Good to see you. Take care. Be safe. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please Subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.